Blog Talk Radio. Specifically, the death 
of black people at the hands of police and specifically the Metropolitan Police Force here in Las Vegas, known across the nation sort of as the darling of police forces, that shining jewel that has got it right. Well, maybe they get it right most of the time, like most police departments. But they didn't get it right this time because there was a gentleman that came to them looking for help. And the help that he got from them ultimately was his untimely demise in death at the hands of a Las Vegas metropolitan police officer. Now, I know many police officers on the force, but regardless of whether I know them or not, this was something that happened and should not have happened. We took our feet off the gas because things look good. Well, just because things look good on the outside does not mean that things are good on the inside. And the death of this individual may be an example of that. So the title of our show today is Metropolitan Police Kill an Unarmed Black Man. Metropolitan Police Kill an Unarmed Black Man. Let me give you a little brief information about Our Own Voices Live. Our Own Voices Live is a radio show featuring people and stories from our community in Las Vegas, the surrounding area, and someplace near you. America is the greatest country on earth due to its culture diversity and not in spite of it. Our mission is to help bridge the culture and ethnic divide in America by working together to build the greatest bridge in history to unite us. And some of the ways that we try to do that is with shows like Our Own Voices Live. Give you a chance to share your opinion. Get a chance to find out some things that's going on that you may not find anyplace else. Our Own Voices Live, of course, derived from Our Own Voices, the print and digital magazine distributed right here in Las Vegas that deals with culture because African-Americans have a culture, other people have a culture. Unfortunately, most of us do not know much about our culture. So Our Own Voices, our own voices was a magazine to help educate African-Americans on African-American culture, educate others on African-American culture, and educate Americans on others' culture. Because we're all in this together, and we have been here. It has not always been good, but a part of my belief is that because we know so little about one another, that like most things that are unknown, we fear them. And when we fear a thing, we usually want to kill the thing. I don't think that that's a stretch from what's happening today in America. Now, some people will say, well, Rodney, Metropolitan Police, they haven't been involved in one of these types of killings for years. I'm the first one to say, right on, good job for those years. But it was a bad job this year, last weekend, when an unarmed black man, yes, black man came to the Metropolitan Police Force for help. In other words, he did what he was supposed to do. Because many people will parse it and say, well, he should have done this, should have done that, shouldn't have done this, shouldn't have done that. It's always something. But what about we reverse that and say, well, the police shouldn't have done this. The police shouldn't have done that because that will be what leads us to helping solve it. When an airplane crashes or has some type of mechanical failure, the NTSB initiates a fact-finding 
investigation. It's not necessarily to assign punitive blame, but what it is to do is to find out what happened because something failed, and that's the key. Something failed. Well, though the Metropolitan Police Department maybe have not been involved in an incident like this, and I, the last one I know of that was from a chokehold was three years ago. And Metro, of course, doing a civil lawsuit because, you know, they never get charged. And if they do get charged, they usually get off. So in the civil suit, Metro, of course, did not admit fault, but settled the case. And that's usually what happens is Metro settles the case out of court without admitting any wrongdoing. So, of course, on the record, it looks like the the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Force has a sterling record when it comes to abuses of power, when it comes to police brutality. Well, we know for a fact that three years ago, the Metropolitan Police did have a death caused by them that they paid out money to. And it was because of a chokehold. Now, if you talk to the Metropolitan Police Force today, they will tell you that they do not use chokeholds. What they will tell you is that, is that they use, I believe it's called an LNVR. And what it is, it's the young people may know this and others who watch wrestling, WWE type, is this the old sleeper hole? Well, that is authorized by the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department. Now, to be clear, the individual that was killed by the Metropolitan Police Force last weekend was killed in a reverse chokehold, not an LNVR. So it was an unauthorized, an unauthorized, an unsanctioned restraining maneuver. In other words, the Metropolitan Police Force are not trained to choke, strangle someone from the rear. That's what's being told to them. The officer who killed Tashi Brown was behind him and choked him, ultimately contributing to his death. That's right. Now, the undersheriff, Kevin McMahill, released details and videos, videos from the police officer's body cam and videos from the Venetian Hotel which is where this started, of the incident. You can watch it unfold. Now, let me, let me read you how I wrote the show up today so that you will get an idea. And I titled it, Metropolitan Police Kill an Unarmed Black Man. Simple title because that's just what happened. And for those of you who were listening and might want to call in, you can dial area code 347-826-9600. Once again, that's 347-826-9600. And then press 1 on your uh, keypad, and that will let me know that you, that you want to talk. So here, here it goes. This is, this is what I wrote up. I said we need to find our collective voices on this And sooner than later, the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Force killed a man who came to them saying he was being chased and needed help. Chased and needed help. He took off running. Mr. Johnson approached a vehicle in the street after he left the Venetian Hotel Casino in Las Vegas. The police officer who was in hot pursuit, remember he came to him saying that he was being chased. The police officer 
shot Mr. Johnson with a taser. Mr. Johnson went down, as most of us would if we were shocked by a taser. Mr. Johnson, again, in the process of telling him to roll over onto his stomach, barely audible was Mr. Johnson saying, I can't. Now, I don't know why he said that he could not. I can, if you look at the video, and I posted a link on the page and on the in, invite, the event, you can see it for yourself why he may have said that he couldn't. The officer tased Mr. Johnson some more times for a total of seven times. The police officer tased Mr. Johnson a total of seven times. Now, I'm saying this for a couple of reasons. One, because seven times is seven times of getting shot. I don't know if you've ever been shocked before. I have. And it's something that I don't want to have to undergo again. The Johnson was shot, tased seven times by the pursuing police officer. Another reason why I'm telling you this is because Metropolitan Police has said that they have a policy, it's also in the article, that they have a policy not to tase anyone more than seven times. The Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department has a policy not to tase anyone more than three times. Three times is the limit. Mr. Johnson was tased seven times. Now, an interesting thing about Mr. Johnson as he was being tased seven times. Every time he was shot, he moved. And the police officer shocked him again and he moved some more. So think about that. You know, I remember when they were beating Rodney King in L.A., every time they would hit him with one of those billy clubs, he would jump, he would lurch, he would flinch, he would move. And the officer said, well, we kept beating him because he kept moving. And I'm saying he kept moving because you kept beating him. Maybe Mr. Johnson kept moving because he kept getting electrocuted. Maybe he wasn't able to respond to the police officer's demand because he was being shot, tased. I said electrocuted, shot, tased. Now, not only did he get tased those seven times, the police officer, while Mr. Johnson is still on the ground, grabs Mr. Johnson and begins to beat him in the what appears to be the face and head area. The police officer, after tasing Mr. Johnson, who originally came to the police officer for help, the same police officer beat him in the, the head and face area multiple times. There was no resistance from Mr. Johnson. Remember, he just got tased seven times. While the police officer was subduing Mr. Johnson, who came to him for help, the police officer was helped by security that may have been associated with the Venetian Hotel. Other officers from the Metropolitan Police Force had arrived. The pursuing police officer who tased Mr. Johnson seven times, four times more than what trained and allowed by the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, who then commenced to beating Mr. Johnson in the face and head area multiple times, then engulfed Mr. Johnson in a rear 
chokehold not trained on nor authorized by the Metropolitan Police Force in the words, in the words of, of uh, Officer McKay here. This chokehold contributed along with the shot. It is alleged that that contributed to the death of Mr. Johnson. Now, Mr. Johnson has been forced to transition. He is no longer with us. The police officer is on paid leave. That's right. So now you know the sequence of events. Now, it was later. Now, the police, the media, shortly after this incident happened, released Mr. Johnson's records and said that he had a criminal past. Now, I don't know if the police officer who pursued Mr. Johnson, Tim, seven times, four more times than authorized by the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police, then commenced to beating Mr. Johnson in the face and head area multiple times, not and Mr. Johnson not fighting back. As a matter of fact, I posted a picture of Mr. Johnson with he's laying on his back, he has his hands up and open, not resisting arrest. Tased seven times, four times more than trained on or sanctioned by the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police. Then beat several times about the head and face area. Finally, by this time, there were multiple Las Vegas Metropolitan Police officers there to witness what was going on. Now, I was not able to hear it, but a good buddy of mine said that you could hear one of the police, one of the other police officers telling the police officer who was choking Mr. Johnson, that it was enough. And then a response, is it enough? Yes, it's enough. The reason why I mention this is because in the heat of the moment, not justify it, but in the heat of the moment, you can get carried away. See, I get that. So instead of three tase, you tase him four more times. He's still living, but it's four more times, and there's a reason for having the limitation on how many times you can be tased. Because in the past, people who have been excessively tased, shocked, I like to say electrocuted, but we'll stick with tased or shocked, have expired because it interrupts the current of your body and specifically your heart, which operates on, guess what? Electrical current. Your brain operates off of electrical current. We operate off of electrical current. So there is a reason for having a limitation on how many times you can be shocked, tased. But maybe in the heat of the moment, for whatever reason, you know, mistakes happen. But then what justifies, assuming that we even justified the excessive tasing? First, we have to justify why was he tased initially. But then the police officer commits to beating Mr. Johnson about the head and face. Mr. Johnson has not yet resisted the police officer. Finally, the police officer performs what looked like something from Miss Martial Arts, a rare neck lock. Again, let me, I just want to say, was not authorized, is not authorized by the Metropolitan Police Force. And with an officer standing there, witnessing what's going on, did not intercede, did not say, hey, don't do that. Let him go. 
restrain him a different way, put cuffs on him. Now, remember, this is a gentleman who came to the police asking for help. So even the thought of putting cuffs on someone who asked for help is odd to me, but I'm just trying to go with it. That police officer stood by and watched an illegal, and I say, I'll say unauthorized, restraining maneuver being used on someone who is now in their custody under the control of the police department. Still not resisting arrest. He didn't say, stop it. He said, it's enough. Well, if it's enough, you have to get to that point. So that means that, okay, it's okay to do it, but now you've done it enough. Now, that might be me extrapolating, adding a little more onto it, but it's easy saying that if you say it's enough, that means that something was okay, but now you've gone too long. And I wanted to make sure that we understood this so because people say, well, it's one person and he's in a hot pursuit. Why is he in a hot pursuit? For a person that came to him that asked for help. But he's in a hot pursuit. He sees the man near a vehicle, allegedly assumed, assumed, not proven, assumed, that he was going to carjack the vehicle. The occupant of the white, I believe it was a pickup truck, said, oh, no, he, we didn't feel like he was trying to jack us. But, you know, maybe the police, they're experts at this, right? They've witnessed it multiple times. They're trained on this, made an assumption that was wrong. So Mr. Johnson came to them inside the Venetian asking for help. Now, Mr. Johnson, they say, was sweating. Now, sweating in Las Vegas is not out of the ordinary, even though we have dry heat. But they said that he was acting erratic. Okay, sweating and acting erratic, threatening, is not violating a law. Now, Mr. Johnson did take off running outside to eventually, eventually exiting the Venetian Hotel and went into the, a street area. Still, none of that is against the law. Now, here's something anecdotal. Whenever I see a black person running and I'm with other black people, one of the things that we say is let's hope there are no police around. And I, and I threw that in because I want you to understand a little bit. And I don't know if you will, but I want you to understand our world. Remember Freddie Gray? He was running. He wound up dead. So when we see black people running, we say we hope there's no police around. Now, I'm not really able to run due to war injury, but I like to go out and walk, and I walk kind of fast. And whenever I see police officers, I'll admit there's a moment of pause for me because are they going to assume that there's an issue. Because, see, it's the contact with police that winds up harming us, whether we're innocent or not. It's the contact. Even though I have police officers who I know, unless they initiate that contact with me, I do not initiate contact with police officers. That's a sad state of affairs because they're the ones that are supposed to be my protectors. 347-826-1620. 347-826-9600. Press option one if you would like to comment. What we're talking about on today's show is Metropolitan Police kill an unarmed black man. Some people say, well, why do you say unarmed? Isn't the fact that somebody was killed enough? Yes. For me, it is enough. But we know that once this gets out, people will say, well, he had a weapon. He must have had a weapon. He must have done 
something. And so the narrative in unarmed. Now, we could have said an unarmed person. But you say an unarmed black man because this happened so much. Now, someone near to me said that, well, Rodney, but Metro has had other encounters with people, with black people, and with black men since the last time somebody died from a chokehold. So why would we want to talk about this incident? And I thought about that and I said, well, whenever an airplane crashes, an inanimate object, the NTSB spends a lot of money, a lot of manpower on trying to discern what led to that failure, whether it was a catastrophic catastrophic loss of life, equipment, or a combination of the two. In this case, it was the loss of a life. To me, that makes it significant. It was also the loss of a life who came to the Metropolitan Police Department asking for help. That set in. Now, ask yourself, why did the police and and or media feel it necessary to release information about the man's personal history? See, this is why we have to say an unarmed black man. Well, come to find out, he had run in with the law. He had spent time in jail. Did the police officer who was in hot pursuit know that? I'm not even sure the police officer knew his name. Nevertheless, that he had a previous, notice, previous. He served his time, previous. So that should not be germane to the discussion. Here's the other piece. If there wasn't enough pieces, oftentimes when individuals are killed in police custody, there's a toxicology exam that's done to determine was the person under something, on something. Okay, if that's the policy, that's the policy, right? As far as I'm concerned, the more information, the better. Well, we also now know from Mr. Johnson's family that he had recently been diagnosed with schizophrenia. I'm sure the police officer didn't know that. Whether there was actually someone chasing Mr. Johnson or not, we don't know. Could have been imagined through his schizophrenia. People talking to people. Uh, people chasing. These are normal things associated with schizophrenia. So in reality, we had an individual who was sick who went to the police for help, and they killed him. Now, he's probably undergoing a toxicology exam because they said he was his behavior was erratic. And I, I had posted something on Facebook, and we, we talked about it yesterday at the gathering, and we talked about it today after we did the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. statue cleanup. I said, what could be some of the solutions? Because his life is gone. He's not coming back, at least not in this existence. But what could be done possibly to prevent this from happening again, at least minimize it. So instead of three years, maybe we can get 10 years. So I believe, and these are some of the recommendations that I and others have come up with, is when incidents like this happen, okay, we get it, the police officer, there's a police officer's bill of rights. He is not guilty of a crime either. So just like we say we should not be committed we should not be treated as criminals before we've been convicted. 
The police officers don't want to be treated as criminals before they're convicted. Okay. Well, Mr. Johnson is a victim. He's not a criminal. They're going to do a toxicology exam. I say the police officer who ultimately participated in the death of Mr. Johnson, if not out and out killed him. When these type of incidents happen, it should be immediate and automatic that all police officers actively involved should have to have some type of toxicology exam. In the military, we called it peeing in a bottle and maybe giving blood too. If I had an aircraft that crashed or had some major incident, they grabbed all of the case and records, they would, whether it was me or someone else, they would cart them off to the hospital to immediately urinate in a bottle and or give blood to determine my physical conditioning at the time. There would be an immediate questioning to ascertain my frame of mind. Maybe we should look at requiring, no, no, maybe. I believe we should demand, put forth that when in the Las Vegas Valley, and I think this should happen nationwide, but this is what we're talking about today. This is what we have control of here in Las Vegas. When issues, incidents like this happen, there should be an immediate sample taken for a toxicology exam. Let's determine the condition of the officers involved. Not only should it be the officer engaged in tasing, pommeling, and then choking Mr. Johnson, but the officer who stood by and watched it and eventually said, that's enough. They both, and maybe others too, should have to go and give a sample to determine what they may or may not be on, their physical condition. And then immediate psychological evaluation of some type before they get sent home on paid leave. That would violate their rights because the individual has just died. Now, I don't know the legalities of it. I'm putting this forth. And if you all have some suggestions, give us a call at 347-826-9600, 347-826-9600, because I want to hear yours. But I think that as a minimum, before he is put, he or she is put on paid leave, they should have to give a sample. They should have to be interviewed to ascertain their state of mind. We know that there are some police officers who take steroids, and I'm not even mad at them. There's some bad people out there, and there are some people who are in bad situations who can be pretty strong. I get it. But it also has some side effects. Now, I'm not saying that this police officer was on anything, but I do believe we need to establish a database of information so that we can see what do some of these incidents have in common, if anything. So we said that as potential solutions, our suggestions and demands are that before the police officer or those involved in the incident put on paid leave, they should have to give some type of sample, urine, blood, or a combination of the two. They should also have an immediate psychological evaluation. Also, we believe that when these incidents, oh, let me, before I go no further, the chokehold as an authorized restraining procedure by the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police needs to be eliminated. Immediately, immediately. 
No chokeholds, no LNVRs should be authorized for use by the Metropolitan Police or by any police force. We know that Metro just paid out money for this. It was a couple of hundred thousand dollars. So to me, it was not nearly enough for a loss of a life. Oh, and side note, side note, I just heard, and I, I need to follow this up, that, and I think I read it too, that our legislature here in Nevada, which is run by Democrats with both houses that are controlled by the Democrats, have a Democratic speaker and a Democratic leader. And I don't know if it was passed this time, but it is legal. The Metropolitan Police Department has a cap on how much money they can pay out to victims of the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department. And that cap is like a couple of hundred thousand dollars. So automatically what we have said is that a life is not worth more than a quarter of a million dollars. Now, maybe, I don't know how they came up with that figure, but that's what they said. And I think that you all need to call your legislator before the session is over. You need to email them. You need to text them. You need to Facebook message them and tell them to remove that cap. Look, I'm more valuable to my family in earnings power alone more than $80,000 a year. So let me hold on. So that's 80 and 80, that's 160, 160, 160 is 320. So what that means is that as a minimum, if I was to lose my life, my family just lost roughly 300, what did I say? 80 and 80 is 160, 160 and 160 is what? 320, $320,000 of earning potential in four years. Now, I believe Mr. Johnson was 40 years old. The average lifespan of a black man, which is less than a black woman, which is less than white people. You know, we lived to be in our 70s, early 70s. That means he had roughly 30-some more years to go of earnings potential. So I I have my calculator because I'm not able to do that one in my head. At least I don't want to take the time. So if we multiply 30 years, and in my case, we're going to go 80K, that's $2.4 million of earning potential. And that's without a raise, $4 million of earnings potential on an average that my family just lost. But our legislature has said that about the most you can sue the Metropolitan Police for, I believe it's something like $239,000. There's something wrong with that. Side note. And here's a kicker about that. The Metropolitan Police Department doesn't pay that money per se. doesn't come out of their operating budget. It doesn't mean that there'll be less promotions. It doesn't mean that they'll be able to hire, they won't be able to hire the same number of people that was planned. They won't be able to get the police crews or facilities that they need. No, because that money comes out of something called a police liability fund, a form of police abuse insurance that's paid by the county and the city, ultimately authorized by the legislature. So they put a cap on it, not to, you know, it wasn't to to save Metro, because it wouldn't prevent them from doing anything they were going to do before. Are you following me? Now, that police liability fund, is it's been a while since I read it, but it's somewhere between 20 and $40 million a year. 
Now, people from big cities like New York may say, hey, we got 10 times that much. Well, you got more than 10 times the amount of people than we do. Matter of fact, Brooklyn by itself has two and a half times the population of our entire state. We're talking, so yes, maybe you need that. Well, maybe you don't need as much. But here we have somewhere between 20 and $40 million police liability fund. And I believe it's too much money. But check this. I was at the county commission to talk against a more cops raise because the police liability fund, according to then the police, the sheriff, said that they were going, the fund was going broke one year and that they need an emergency replenishment. So they had paid out so much money that they needed more money. That money comes from the citizens, police insurance. My proposal is that the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department and any place else that has a police liability fund has to present a plan to reduce payouts of that liability fund by a minimum of 5% a year, preferably 10% a year, until they've reduced payouts by 50%. Because right now there's a tax on all of us for their abuses. And it's also used for car crashes and, you know, true incidents. But whenever you have a certain amount of money, you can do whatever the heck you want to do with it. You know, there's no burden on you. And you know you can get more. So maybe that will help force the Metropolitan Police Department to look at what it does wrong to come up with fixes to improve their methods and procedures so that they wouldn't have to pay out this money in the first place. So that's why I'm proposing that the police liability fund and the Metropolitan Police Department has to present a plan to reduce it by at least 5% every year until they've reduced it down to 50%. And then they'll re-examine it from there. And the way that they're going to do that is they will have to present changes in methods and procedures in general and changes in methods and procedures after they evaluated them that have led to these payouts with this case and others in the past. And I think that's something that should go across the country. And we're down to our last 10 seconds for the live broadcast. I'm going to go on a little bit after that. So thank you for joining, and we'll be back to our own voices live next week at 1230 on Saturday. So as we continue, the other suggestion is that if whenever there is this offense, that this goes in the individual's records, if it doesn't go in already, as a negative blemish towards promotion and pay raises. Also, supervisor on scene, like the person that said that's enough but didn't say don't do it in the first place, also should be a negative, negative blemish in their records for promotions and pay raises. Hit them in the pockets. Not my pocket. See, I, I'm paying into that police liability fund, so I'm already being hit. I'm talking about the offenders, hit them in their pockets. And if the police liability fund was to go broke like it did here with the Metropolitan Police Force, then take it out of your operating budget. Instead of having X amount of promotions this year, maybe you need to cut back on promotion. See, this gets people's attention. Another and very practical thing it's when incidents like this happen, and I like to think that they do, but I don't know. So this is not just a request slash demand, but this is also a question. There should be a reenactment as soon as possible of the events that unfolded that led to the death of an individual. It should be recorded. And then 
it should it should be reviewed, and then suggestions should be made as to what could have been done better. Even if everything was done by the book, because it's done by the book doesn't mean the book is right. Maybe the book is outdated. But it should be reviewed to see, do we need to change our methods and procedures? Do we need to change our training regimen and frequency? Here's another one. When these things happen and these reviews have been done, well, first of all, when the thing happens, it should be blasted to all of the police chiefs, sheriffs within that state. And I believe nationally there should be some type of repository, repository where these can go, and it's like a bulletin, a news flash that should go to all department heads so that they can see, wow, this incident happened. Maybe we need to refresh our people on this just in case. Maybe we need to evaluate our methods and procedures. So a database, a national database ultimately needs to be established, but for sure within the state, within the city or county of of the offense, there should be some database and there should be a sort of a police flash, incident flash. So it happened, this was the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department. So there should be an immediate bulletin flash that goes out to the Henderson Police Department, the North Las Vegas Police Department, because those are in our the, the tri-city area in this valley. It should go to uh, Ely. It, it should go through the whole state, ultimately throughout the country. And that's what should happen, because then everyone has to stop and pause or should stop and pause to evaluate methods and procedures because these are American lives that we're talking about. Not only is it the loss of an American life and whatever it does to the family of that individual, but it is also something that might impact the police. Because if you can do something that will train you better so that that life that might have been lost is now saved, then maybe whatever psychological impact it has on police officers in general and the police officers involved, it saves them from that. It saves us taxpayers from paying money in a civil suit, even though in Las Vegas, in Nevada, our lives are worth less than a quarter of a million dollars. So those are some proposals that I that I have that I that I suggest, and I and I have more. But that's something to digest. And if you all have some ideas, please send them to the Our Own Voices Live Facebook page where you found out about the show, or just go to the Our Own Voices Live on Facebook and you find the show, or you can leave it in general and give us some suggestions to help minimize this police these police actions, whether it was three years or six years, a life was still lost. A family is grieving. Earnings potential has just been dramatically reduced, and that assuming they even get a payout in a lawsuit. I don't even talk about the individual officer getting time because that happens so rare. Think about the case in Texas with a female police officer. Think about Sandra Bland, and the list goes on. If we're looking at this strictly as black and white, I mean, there is a black and white component. As you all heard me say, I believe that we're taught to fear one another by education system. You know, Carter G. Woodson said it years ago that, through our education system, the teachers and the books from, from which it's taught, it is that the black man has created nothing and owes his entire existence to white people who created it all. Paraphrase. Therefore, we are less than and they are more than, and we teach them that in our education system because we omit the contributions of African and African Americans throughout the history of the world. 
rarely is it discussed. I said earlier the reason why we do gatherings and we do things that with the park cleanup is and why I created our own voices, the print and digital magazine, was to talk about our culture so that we could learn it, but also so that other people could learn it, and then to share other people's cultures so that they can learn theirs and so we can learn it because we'll find out that we have a lot in common and then we're not the unknown. And when you find that you have things in common with the people, you actually do associate personage with them versus them being the other. Whether it is black seeing white as the other or white seeing blacks as the other, we have got to integrate and incorporate African-American history and culture throughout all curricula, pre-K through 12th grade, and all institutions that are publicly funded. So all learning institutions. That includes colleges and universities. To start changing the mindset, because just think, we would not need diversity training that costs money, but we would not need diversity training, cultural sensitivity, if it was already there. And if it is not there, to change a person's frame of mind, their outlook on life once they're adults, it's a very difficult thing to do. America, the American school system, to a certain extent, acts as madrasas for white people against black people. You can quote me. I don't know if it's purposely done, but it is a fact that it is done because through the way that we educate people and talk about people, we teach that one is greater than the other. One is superior and the other is inferior because one did and the other didn't. One is the beneficiary of all that the other did. That creates stereotypes, preconceived notions, prejudices, biases, microaggressions throughout the lifetime of us all. So to a certain extent, unless you really have a lot going on at home, you cannot help but feel certain ways about other groups because we're taught that in school, sometimes through omission, but not always through omission. Coming up, we have Memorial Day. It's a holiday. We barbecue, people party, drink. But did you also notice the anniversary of Black Wall, the massacre of Black Wall? I'm sure you learned about that in school. It's a significant event. Well, that concludes our show today, titled Metropolitan Police Kill an Unarmed Black Man. You've been listening to Our Own Voices Live. I'm your host in the air chair, Rodney Smith. I hope you'll join me back here next week for another edition of Our Own Voices Live. We're going to talk about the legacy of Black Wall Street and what happened. And to all of my military peeps out there, happy Armed Forces Day. That's right, Armed Forces is this week. And it's fitting that it leads into Memorial Day and Memorial Day weekend. Thank you for your service, no matter where and for how long. Thank you. You were part of the 1%. Also, yesterday, May 19th, was Malcolm X's birthday. There were activities locally. You know, there are so many activities today. We had the cleanup at the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. statue here in Las Vegas. There was a team summit with the NAACP from 9 to 1. There was an NAACP meeting from 1 to 1.30. There is the Samuel L. Smith spelling bee going on from 1, I believe, until 4, so it's almost over. And I believe that's at either Agassiz or Doolittle. That's going on today. People who say that there's no culture in Las Vegas and there's nothing to do in Las Vegas, I would ask that you would look a little harder because I sometimes feel as if I don't have 
enough hours in the day. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Go to our Facebook page, Our Own Voices Live. Leave a comment. Let us know what you thought about the show today. And more importantly than that, leave us some suggestions. Thank you for listening. Be safe this week. Bye-bye.